I'm excited to share with you from the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 38 through 41. And as you're turning, make welcome those that are watching by YouTube this morning. Would you welcome them to our service today? God bless you as you are tuning, tuning in. Let me read this in the title of the message this morning. I love to put a title to a message. And the title of the message this morning is The God of Mercy and the God of Second Chance. I preached one time that we don't need a second chance, we just need a change of the life, change of heart. But I do know that we need a second chance. And many times we need a third chance and a fourth chance. The problem is, is that we must never, ever uh, be in a uh, gambling state of mind. Almost thou persuadest me to become a Christian. Because no one knows the day or the hour that the Lord will call us to be with him. And so Matthew chapter 12 is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees who said unto him, Master, we would like to see a sign from you. We want to see some kind of sign. You know, the Gentiles love a sign. We always want uh, to have uh, a sign, a, a streaking star across the sky, or, you know, a bird that, that comes to our window, so whatever it might be. We're looking for that sign. And here's what he, uh, he, they said unto them. He answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but none shall be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and nights in the well in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented. of the preaching of Jonah. But one greater than Jonah is here. Let us pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for your great mercies. We thank you for your long-suffering to us, Word, Lord. You don't just count us off or brush us aside, but you're persistent, consistent in calling our name. May we glean from Jonah and be a nation quick to repent and receive heaven's blessings. I ask you, Lord, today that you'll anoint this great church for your glory. May it continue to be a lighthouse for the lost. In your name, amen. Now, clearly our text is all about Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. It is like heaven is saying, what more do you need for me to do for you to become a believer? You know, when Christ died and he was buried uh, on that three days in the ground and he triumphantly came back to life in the resurrection, I do not know of anyone personally that has died and come back to life. I have read stories about people that have had near-death experiences and some said they had died and then they came back. And I do not doubt it, I do not question it. But what I do know is this, it's not an everyday occurrence, amen? And for the Son of God, Christ Jesus, to speak concerning the sign of Jonah is a powerful thing for us to stop and to consider. It's been a long time since I preached on the subject of Jonah and Nineveh. You know, praise God, the door of salvation is open. It is wide open today. In fact, many believe that salvation's door is open more today than ever before in the history of, uh, of the nation of America. There's more preachers, there's more, there's more messages, there's more books being written, there's more people that are going forth. But at the same time, the nation does not seem to be accepting that Christ is the Son of God. A religion, yes, but not a relationship. And I think that's what the Lord wants from us as a church and as an individual. Is Lord, He wants us to have that personal relationship with Him on a daily basis. Even this morning, someone said to me, I would like to have what my grandmother has. I want the Spirit of the Lord like my grandmother has. And, and I shared with this person, I said, you know, the difference between your grandmother and somebody else is that when you get the Spirit of God inside of you, even if you don't feel like getting up and going, you get up and go. If you don't feel like coming to church on a Sunday morning, amen. Oh, praise God. You are driven by the love of Christ in your heart, and you make the effort to come and to be a part of the house of God. 
You know, the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourself as the manner of some is. In the last days, amen. So we need each other more and more as the day approaches. Could I get at least a couple amens on that? So we appreciate that. And that relationship is important. And whenever you look at the end of the story of Jonah, it's all about Christ saying to Jonah, listen, Nineveh is my people. And I love the people of Nineveh. Even though they were wicked, even though they were enemies of the Jewish nation, God said, they're not yours, Jonah. You're the messenger. I'm the master. And when I thought about that, I thought, oh Lord, how important it is for us to understand that the door of salvation is open. It's open to all. Grace, grace, marvelous grace, grace, mercy, 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 Lord. Oh, everything is free to us for the receiving with great responsibility. So we preach about the prophet Jonah today. His name means dove. Some commentators said that Jonah was not a man of confrontation. He did not want confrontation in any stretch of the imagination. In fact, whenever he was told and, 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 and was, was instructed by God to go and preach to Nineveh, he went the opposite direction of Nineveh. His name may mean dove, but his heart was disobedient. And that's a dangerous thing this morning, church, is to have a disobedient heart. God may not ask you to go to China. In fact, I will guarantee you that there's not very many that God calls to China. But He will call you to be faithful on your watch. He will call you to be faithful to your family, to pray for your family, to encourage your family. He will call you to be a part of a local church, Northside Assembly of God, to get involved with whatever Northside is doing, whatever the vision of the church is, to get behind it, not only in finances, but more importantly in prayer. In prayer. Oh, my heart was touched whenever I came in uh, the day that the missions team was here. And all of a sudden I looked around and f folks from Northside began to show up. Uh, not a lot. We didn't need a lot. But the right ones came and ministered. A special ministry. So some have called the story of Jonah a myth, a fable, a fairy, a fairy tale. How can it be that a man can be swallowed by a whale? So I went to good old newspaper clippings that are now registered in Google. There was a day I'd have to go to the library and pull out all of the newspaper clippings, you know, or, or the magazine, but now you just punch a button, you know, and you, and you say, has anybody ever survived a whale attack and be swallowed? And I found two. One was a lobster fisherman. He got swallowed by a whale, but he didn't go all the way down in the tummy. He said he didn't know whether he was going to live or not because he lost his, uh, his way to breathe in, the, in it. And he said, I knew it was not a shark because it did not have the kind of shark teeth. And he said, when it bit down on that tank, he said, it spit me out. And he said, I got to the top of the, of the, of the, of the surface as fast as I could. Then he realized, oh, I might get the bends, but I just escaped a whale. Another man, he actually was swallowed. He came out bleached white. Now, I don't know about you, but if I can believe that God created the earth and the world out of nothing, then I can believe that he says, as the sign of the last generation will be not some magnificent sign here, but it will be the sign of Jonah spending three days in the belly of the whale or in the belly of the earth. It's beyond my capacity to reason it out. I do not want to experience being swallowed by a whale. I went fishing with my brother-in-law, and he was, uh, it's in my book, uh, my devotion book, but he said, you, I'll, uh, I'll do the netting and you carry the fish. And we were fishing, he'd throw the net out and bring it in, and there'd be four or five nice uh, fish in there, and I'd put it in the fish basket and we move on. All of a sudden, I got hit in the leg hard. And I said, John, something hit me in the leg. He said, oh, don't worry about it. He said, it's just probably a hammerhead. I was just like Brother Peter. 
I had done all the fishing I wanted, and I began to walk on water out of there. <clears throat> I said, John, you can have it, buddy. I'm gone. And I'm telling you, I bathed my way out of that ocean and onto dry land. Could somebody say, I knew you were smart, Pastor? But you see, Matthew's account, Christ authenticates this story. So whether or not you believe it's a fable or whether it's a typology or whether it's a parable or whatever it is, the Lord said, use this as the example of the sign of the end time. We can take great comfort knowing that our God gives not only the lost a second chance, but also the redeemed. You see, Jonah was a man that loved the Lord. He was considered a prophet. And when God placed his hand upon him and told him, I need you and I want you to go to Nineveh and to preach the gospel of Christ being buried, resurrected, he didn't want to go. I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to find out from the commentaries on why he did not want to go. And the best I could come up with was, he said, Lord, they don't like you. In fact, they're enemies of the cross. They're enemies of Christ. They're enemies of the Jews. Why would you even, even consider these bad people to give them a second chance? You need to wipe them off the face of the earth. Well, aren't you glad that Jonah is not Christ? Have you ever, have you ever just gotten upset with somebody, you know, and say, you know what, I'm, just, I'm done with you. Don't talk to me, don't talk to the hand. Not God, not the Lord. He is long-suffering and gracious. So he gives the servant a second chance, and he gives the sinner a second chance as well. So, you know, he's got us covered this morning, amen. He's got the pastor covered, he's got every one of us covered, because either we are a saint or a sinner. But if you're a saint, you're only a sinner saved by grace. Look at somebody and say, I knew it. I knew you was a sinner. But you're saved by grace. Sinner saved by grace. Well, now you're going to like, I think you're going to like the way that I, that I diagrammed the, the message this morning. The first one is, Jonah is a man in a fix. He's, he's, he's got himself in a mess. A man running from God will always encounter a problem. I don't care where you're at in your social standing, if you are a man or a woman that is dead set running away from God, you're going to bump head on into problems. Guarantee it. Now, if you're a Christian and you're walking with the Lord, you may have some problems as well, but the Lord will bring you through them with ease. Well, let me rephrase that. Maybe not quite ease, but he'll bring you through it. You see, disobedience to God leads to a problem every single time. You can run, but you cannot hide. Growing up, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite uh, TV programs of all time was The Fugitive. I loved Harrison Ford as The Fugitive. How many can remember that? Or a few of us, you know, amen. Each episode, Dr. Ford, he was a medical doctor, in each episode, he would almost catch the one-armed man. But the one-armed man would always be elusive, and, and he couldn't get, catch him. And we would wait the next week for another episode, and Dr. Ford would come so close to catching the one-armed man, but he couldn't because he just was elusive. It kept the plot going. You see, they said that Dr. Ford had murdered his wife, but he knew he hadn't. But I was glad that after 30 years, finally Dr. Ford caught him. You see, we are all fugitives. We are on the walk and on the run through life. And, you know, we got all kinds of baggage that we have to deal with that follows us. Anybody here have no baggage that you have to have that you deal with? Do you have nothing in your closet? <clears throat> we always have stuff that we have to deal with, and it's constant and everything. But, oh, praise God, amen, the Lord will catch us, arrest us, save us, wipe the slate clean, 
put our name on the heavenly roll, give us love for our fellow man, and give us peace and happiness along the way. What more could we ask for? Maybe an eight-ounce thing. You run to the Lord and don't run away from Him. Run to Jesus to receive the blessings of God and not the ruin. Run to Jesus. It is a place of safety. You know, if you want to be successful, hang around successful people. I mean, never get a financial advisor that has claimed bankruptcy twice. You know, I mean, if you want to, if you want to have good advice, get around somebody that knows what they're saying because they've experienced it. If you want to have a blessing, all you have to do is just look at the folks that are blessed. Look around you this morning, Amen. There are folks that are sitting here in this church service, and you're watching my home, and you know, in the very depths of your spirit, that it is God who is the blesser. That God has blessed your life. That God continues to bless your life. Yes, He's given us an ability to think and strength to be able to do. But when it's all said and done, when you break it down to the essence, He is the blesser and we are the ones receiving the blessing. So if you want to be blessed, look at who God is blessing. Oh, it's the saved. It's the redeemed. It's the chosen of the Lord. Now you say, Pastor, are you saying that he won't bless the unsaved? Well, that's a good question. I'll have to ponder it this week. But he will bless the sinner and able to bring them to him. Not in the material blessings that we look at, but he will bless them by never giving up on them. Come on. The blessings of the Lord is that he doesn't give up. He just repeats. And so he's the God of the second chance, third chance, because he's the God of great mercy. Now, you know, uh, Psalms 139 is a powerful psalm that says, where can I go to escape from the presence of God? And it says, nowhere. You can't. If you go into the heavens, he's there. If you go into the depths of hell, he's there. If you go to the west or the east or the north, or the south, he's there no matter where you go. His presence is always there. The little guy had wrote on the blackboard, where is the presence of God? The little guy got up, the teacher wrote on the, the blackboard, N-O-W-H-E-R-E. Nowhere. Nowhere. And the little guy sitting back there, he looked at that, he looked at it again, and he got up, and he said, may I address the class? And she said, yes. And he, he said, Let me, give me the eraser. And he goes up, and he takes, and he moves where the N-O is at, and he makes a little slot there, separates it, and says, now it's spelled now here. If you don't believe me, write it out on the title envelope. Now here. Now I think that's incredible. Because you see, the Lord was with Jonah, but he was also with the Ninevites. And he was working both at the same time. So Jonah is in a fix. Say that with me. Jonah's in a fix. And the next thing is, Jonah's in a fish. Brilliant, Einstein. Jonah's in a fix. Now he's in a fish. <clears throat> trying to run, trying to hide, trying to fade away into obscurity trying to blend in with the crowd. He paid his fare on the ship to Joppa, Tarshish. Uh, Joppa was in total opposite. In fact, <clears throat> if you have Joppa or Tarshish here and Nineveh is here, it's just uh, almost a straight line, but it curves up just a little bit. And it's an extreme difference between where one city, he didn't even get close to Nineveh. He wanted to go in the opposite direction. And you know what? That's pretty typical of a person who's run away from God. They don't want to just get a little away from God. They want to get away, far away from God. <clears throat> he paid the fare, but he did not realize what that was going to cost him in that journey to Tarshish. The price Jonah paid cost him more 
than he ever bargained for. What is sad is this. Jonah chapter 1, verse 3 says, He fled from the presence of God, and he ended up in a storm. Calamity affected the prophet Jonah. But the calamity did not only affect the prophet Jonah, it affected many other people. Because he disobeyed and refused to go to Nineveh, it was costing those folks in Nineveh the opportunity to repent and accept God. And what happens if one died before he actually came in that second chance? I don't know. But it was affecting the city of Nineveh. But it also affected those sailors that day. Because, verse 7, whenever the storm came, and it began to wreak havoc on the ship, it began to rock the boat, it began to cause all kinds of problems. They began to consider what they should do, and they began to cast lots to find out who was responsible for the storm and their calamity. Now, that's maybe superstitious, but that was the way they did it. In, in those in the biblical days, they, a lot of times they cast lots. And sometimes they'd cast a white stone, a black stone, and whatever came up, it was yes or no or different things. And they cast lots. And Jonah finally said, it's me, guys. I'm causing the calamity. There was considerable pain was inflicted before Jonah confessed that he was the one. And chapter 1, Jonah's, his sins are found out. And I would simply say, you cannot hide your sins from God forever. God can and will use anyone, even a black, backslid preacher. Verses 14 through 17, Jonah said, throw me overboard. This is incredible. This is, a, this is a powerful part of this message this morning, that is. But the men tried in their own power and in their own strength to row the ship to shore. They did not want to throw this man overboard. In fact, they even prayed, and you can read it in their prayer. They were saying, Lord, uh, you know, don't let us uh, make a man, if he's innocent, perish. In other words, Lord, let us make the right decision before we throw him over. You know, you deal with him. You deal with this situation. We don't want his blood on our hands. We, 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 we've done everything we can, but it's really up to you. Kind of passing the buck a little bit. But God was working in that he had prepared a surprise for Jonah. They cast Jonah overboard. Now, I've got this picture in my mind that when they cast him overboard, he wasn't in the water, but just a moment until this big old whale came up. Boop. Swallowed him whole. And immediately, the storm ceased. Now when you find the response of these sailors, the sailors begin to fear the Lord, the Bible says, begin to fear the Lord exceedingly. In other words, there was a, a very reverent fear came on them even though they knew that what they had done was, was okay, that it was all right, that God was involved in dealing with this. But there was an exceeding fear that came on them and immediately the sailors recognized that God was in control of this calamity. And they offered sacrifice. Now think about that. They're repentant. They're in tune. They recognize, God, you're at work and you saved our lives. Yes, this man, Jonah, this preacher, we threw him overboard. Now, you know, no, I'm not going to go there. And they made vows unto the Lord. It's kind of like, Lord, if I'll do this. Foxhole salvations. You've heard of that. Lord, if you'll just get me home, I'll serve you when I get home. And they made vows unto the Lord. We don't know what those vows were, but I have a really strong suspicion that they said, you know, the God of Jonah is the God we want to serve. Because they recognized that immediately the storm ceased. And for three days, three nights, Jonah is in a fix, he's in a fish. 
next thing is Jonah is in a moment of faith. I heard a message preached one time, and it stuck with me, and that is sometimes you have to pray yourself out of the belly of the whale. Chapter 2, Jonah is in a terrible mess. I'm sure that he was terrified, afraid to say the least. He probably knew they're going to throw me over the, you know, I can't uh, tread water forever. I, I can't, uh, I don't even want to hold on. I'm just going to, I'm just going to peacefully, you know, go into the water and I'll, I'll suck in enough of that salt water that I'll pass out and I'll sink to the bottom and I'll become fish bait. Little did he know that God had another plan for him. He was terrified of his circumstance, I'm sure. He was terrified and afraid to say the least. But he knew how to pray and that was his only hope was to begin to pray unto the Lord. In his flight away from the presence of God, now he finds himself in that place of coming back quickly to the Lord in prayer. Now think about that. One moment he's in flight mode, the next moment he's in faith mode. Well, Pastor, I thought that was pretty good when the Lord gave that to you this week. You see, in chapter 2, verse 7, Jonah, he says, When my soul fainted, I remembered the Lord, and I prayed. Think about that just for a moment. Have you ever been in a circumstance, a place, either last week or maybe it's coming up this week, that your soul will begin to faint? Uh, you know, I mean, the doctor may give you a bad report or, or something else might happen or something else might happen, and your soul begins to faint. When that happens, take heart, church. Let faith arise and say, you're the God of yesterday, today, and forever. You're the same God that has put me in a place of security, Lord. You're the same God that can, if you can take Jonah out of the belly of the well, you can take me out of my bellies as well. So God, we say thank you, Lord, that you do not do to us what we deserve. patient with us. One of the things that I want to be remembered for is that I was a patient man. That I didn't hold grudges. And I'm still working on it. I know you're working on it too. We had our grandson over and, uh, you know, it's pretty incredible, Chris, you know, that he said, uh, I, want to, I want to go spend the night with Grandma and Grandpa before summer. Gets, gets off and uh, he said that's on my bucket list so he said to me he said, uh, he said Papa I said you said you had another hour's worth of work this was the next morning and I said I don't feel like it today I'm not going to finish what I wanted to finish last night I'm just going to relax. He said, good. He said, go there and sit in that chair and relax while I swim. He said, you can relax there and watch me because I promised his daddy and mommy that I would not let him do anything on his own. Although I did give him one little donut. He said, I'm not supposed to eat this. He looked at it and I said, okay, give it back. Well... Where am I going with this? Help me, Lord. Help me. You see, I want to say, Lord, thank you that we don't always get what we deserve. Sometimes the Lord says, all right, I'm just going to sit down over here in this chair and wait on you. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get in no big fuss or no big hurry. Whatever it is that you're wanting to do, you just go right ahead and you do I'm going to sit over here and just kind of, kind of sit on the sideline, but when the time comes, I'm getting back involved with you. Ever felt like Ever felt like that? I'm glad that the Lord, every time I get out of line, He don't just whack me like one of them whack-a-moles, you know, bam! That's not the God I serve. He's patient with me. He gives time to me. He's patient with you, and He gives time unto, unto you as well. And I say thank you, Lord, that you were kind and you were patient to the city of Nineveh, but also to the prophet Jonah and to us today the sign that we have today that you were 
crucified. You were buried, but you rose again. So thank God in our messes and our fixes, our messing ups, God is still merciful, kind, patient. And thank God that he hears our prayers. I've been working on uh, a thought about how me as a pastor can lead the church more spiritual growth. How I can be a more effective minister. And the first thing that I got was the pastor can either be putting the lid on it or taking the lid off. Turning the tap on or turning the tap off. And I said, Lord, that's a heavy responsibility. But I don't want to put lids on things tell you what, when I think about the daycare coming up, if I wasn't, if I wasn't knowing that it was Lord, I'd, I'd become fearful. It's not easy. Church, what, what this church and this board and your pastor is, is, is working on is not an easy thing. But the Lord is helping us. And for that, we're very, very, very grateful. So let me get back to where we're at here. Uh, so God was patient with Jonah, and he's patient with Nineveh, and he's patient with me, and he's patient with you, even though sometimes we're impatient. So let's see. He was in a fix. He was in a fish. Now he's in a state of faith, praying himself out of the belly's, the well, the well's belly. Chapter 2, verse 7, Jonah says, When my soul fainted, I remembered the Lord, and I prayed. Has it come to that, that you have to pray? I think prayer ought to be the first thing we do. And I need to lead by more of an example to pray more. As I told the person this morning, I said, I will pray for you. And I wrote it down to pray for that person. Because sometimes we say we'll pray for somebody, then we don't. Well, I know, Pastor, you're the only one here today that does that. Chapter 3, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, which means he's the God of the second chance. And God's message was the same unto Jonah. Go to Nineveh and preach Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, and rose again. So Jonah obeys after the well takes him right up to the shore. I'm going to be very kind in my words this morning. He puked him up. The biblical word is that he vomited him up. I don't think there's anything worse than nothing but backbone and gristle of of a preacher. There was nothing to eat. In other words. And so the city, the Lord goes right to the text and to the heart of the matter in 3.5, and he says, and the city believed the preaching of Jonah and repented. In fact, the entire city began to repent. The king ordered the city, the humans and the animals, to fast food and drink and turn from evil and turn from the evilness of their hands. What would happen if America as a nation would repent and say, Lord, forgive us of our apathy. Forgive us of, uh, uh, of our, our shortcoming and, and, and where we're at as a nation. And Lord, send revival once again to the great country of America. Well, it's in the scripture. If my people, which are called by my name, then I will hear and will heal their land. So God repented and he saved the city. But here it gets interesting. Jonah became very unhappy. In fact, he was mad enough to spit. Because revival broke out. And the city of Nineveh was repenting. 
turning from their evil ways. And I said, Lord, why would any preacher of the gospel be upset when somebody gets saved? And the difference was that Jonah didn't like the entire city because they did not like the Jews. And he thought, Lord, they don't deserve to be saved. Now think about that for a moment. You ever know anybody that doesn't deserve to be saved? You look at him and you say, there's no hope for that person. We were standing before the judge. Sister Ann and I were standing before the judge, and one of the ladies was up before the judge, and, and the judge looked at her and she said, she called her by name, and she said, I did not know what to do with you. You were a hopeless cause. I did not know what to do with you, so I decided I was going to send you to prison. And she said, why I didn't send you to prison, I don't know. I sent you to the house of hope. You remember that morning? I, they had all these other judges from all around the other, uh, other counties that come in to see. She said, I don't know why I didn't send you to prison. But she said, there is a marked change in your heart and in your life. And I look at Sister Ann and I go, wow. I got brave. I raised my hand. She said, yes. I said, Your Honor, could you cut that security, what do you call them? Yeah, one of them tracking bracelets. I said, would you cut that off so we can baptize her in water or something? And the judge said, yes, be glad to. Get me a pair of scissors. And one of the workers jumped up and said, oh, no, 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 Your Honor. Those are $4,000. You don't just cut them off. She said, well, get it off. That somehow you get it off. And a sponge to record. We were sitting in the courthouse at Greene County. I was just taken aback, amen. And here the judge says, you know what? I didn't know what to do with you. You were a hopeless case, and I was going to send you to prison, but I don't know why I did it, but I gave you the house of hope, and now look at you. And she said, it's all because of Jesus. Lord, do it again. And again, and again. He was not happy. Jonah wasn't happy that they were repenting. They were changing their ways. They were, they were coming into a saving knowledge because he said they don't deserve a second chance. They don't deserve to be saved. The arrogance. Let me tell you that if a person is breathing and they're walking in shoe leather, they deserve a chance to come to Christ. So Jonah says, okay, God, you know, if this is the way you're going to play game, this is the way you're going to play the ball game, just kill me. Let me die. Oh, the arrogance of this man. But God is getting ready to teach a lesson to not only Jonah, but to us. Isn't it amazing that Jonah prayed himself out of certain death in the belly of the well, but now he's saying, Lord, because of what you're doing here with Nineveh, just take my life, kill me. Now, if I was God, I'd have said, well, go back out there to the water, jump in, and uh... so Jonah goes outside the city. He didn't even want any part of the city. He goes outside the city, and he sits down. He makes him a little lean-to, and he's sitting there looking at the city, hoping that it will be destroyed by brimstone and fire. And God, of all things, makes a gourd to grow to give him shade. It was so hot on Tuesday morning, I saw a dog chasing a cat, and they were both walking. It was hot. It had to be hot, amen, to get that gourd. But that gourd came up, and it gave him just a little measure of coolness. It put a shade over his body, and he was liking it. The next day, the Lord sent worms to eat the gourd. Those were spiritual worms. Jonah's up there. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll go eat worms. Oh, man, here's the worms coming. And all of a sudden, the gourd is gone, and he's back in the heat. He's sitting down outside the city. And God says, basically, I'm not finished with you yet. Before I move on to the last part of this message, I want to talk to you about repentance just a little bit. 
sat in my office this morning and I said, Lord, there's power in repentance, but I need seven things that is a direct result of repentance. So this is Pastor Blackard's version of the seven things. Number one, repentance is God's way. It's not your way, not my way. It's God's way. Oh, yes. If we do something or we say something and we say, I am sorry, that is one thing uh, that is in the natural realm. We can tell our, our family, we're sorry. We can tell our boss, we're sorry. We can do this or that. But true repentance is God's way, and it is a turning from what you're doing and turning back to God. Number two is returning to God. God's always there. He'll always be there. But we wander or we backslide or we move away. God says, come on back. Number three, it puts one in a relationship and fellowship with God. When a person is not in fellowship with God, when they're in sin, they're not, they don't want to come to church. Invited a man to come to church and he said, no, I don't feel comfortable coming to church because I'm not right. I said, that's why you need to be in church. So you get right. It's a good atmosphere, ambiance, atmosphere, praise and worship. Move you into the presence of the Lord. Number four, changes everything from the inside out. Number five, it invokes blessings because God is not in the mess blessing business. So he will bless you as you repent. And it gives the stamp of approval. Number seven, it gives eternal rewards. So the God of mercy and the God of second chances includes those who oppose him, includes the enemies of God, whom we were once, even as the Ninevites were at the time. Jonah wanted God to destroy the city, but God did not want to destroy them. He wanted them to repent and come to him in fellowship. He sends the gourd overnight, comfort Jonah, shade him. The next day he was exceeding glad, but then as the worms came, destroyed his comfort. Jonah was not happy. He goes up to the top and he sits there and he says, God, just take me out. The sun's bearing down. The Lord said something to Jonah that is so imperative today. Jonah, and I'm paraphrasing it. Jonah, I know you liked the gourd. And I know you didn't like it when the gourd died. You didn't like it when the worms came and the shade left. But Jonah, you had nothing to do with the gourd. You had nothing to do with the gourd. It wasn't yours. You didn't make it. You had no power over it. It was all my doing and all my power. You labored not with anything to do with the gourd. So should I not spare this great city of Nineveh, this large city that cannot discern the right hand from the left or the cattle? Shall I not redeem them as they, as they repent? I called you because you see, they're mine, they're not yours. Come on. These people are mine, they're not just like the gourd is mine, not yours. And I said, Lord, what can we take from this story? And here's what I, here's what I wrote down. Jonah, I love you. More side assembly. I love you. Oh, your pastor loves you, but not even close to how the Lord loves you. I spared you, Jonah. I spared your life. I spared their life. I forgave you, Jonah. I gave you a second chance, Jonah. I gave Nineveh a second chance. So should I love Nineveh or hate them? Should I spare them or destroy them? I think I'm going to forgive them and restore them. Oh, what a God we serve. A God of the second chance. A God full of mercy even when we do not deserve it. 
Jonah, a man in a fix, running from God. Jonah, a man in a fish, a man in faith, calling out to God. And then Jonah, a man having a fit. Nothing any worse than a Christian having a fit. When we built the gymnasium, my mother's dad, Mac Freeman, came to visit. And we were building the gym. And we were sitting at supper time, and he looked at my dad and he said, Gaines, he said, I can't believe that you guys are building a fit center. I said, Grandpa, what would you call it? He said, a fit center. He said, all them things will do is cause fits. I'm glad we wasn't putting a bowling alley in it. <laughs> it was only junior high regulation. And oh, how we've been blessed by the gym. But my grandpa, he just couldn't figure it out. He said, you're just building a fit center. I just call them fit centers. They're all over the place, coming up and all over. He said, Russellville's got one. He said, oh, yeah. And I said, Grandpa, I said, we're not having a fit. And we'll deal with the fits. It's been a blessing. You're a blessing. Jonah, man in a fit. And then Jonah in fellowship. As you think about the story this morning, think about it in one aspect, and that's the text. Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered and said, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation. That's who he came to save, church. That's us. That is who he came to give his life for is us. An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but none shall be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in, it was three days and nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. For the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented of the preaching of Jonah, but one greater than Jonah. stand with me this morning please I want you just to think ponder and think just a moment Chris would you come and start playing that song you've been so so good to us maybe you could put it on the overhead if you would I want you to just think for a moment how truly blessed you are that you're here in the house of the Lord today and that you feel Jesus. You feel Jesus. You feel the Lord this morning, I do. Would you just lift your voice and your hearts, maybe your hands. Just love him this morning. He's, he's, so, he's so present. And I don't know what you're going through, but I do know this. You will not go through it alone. best as a body of believers. We're going to give you brand new baby clothes. We're going to give you brand new toddler clothes. There's cases, there's cases down there of baby food. There's cases of, uh, uh, what's those bars? Cliff bars. Go buy them off the walls of Walmart. They're expensive. We're going to load you up. Grandmamas, we're going to load you up others we're going to load you up Todd and Laura guys here's what we're going to do we're going to give you tubs of baby clothes when you go out and give a diaper amen say here be blessed let's see what size is this oh that fit when the border patrol man came on our bus in, uh, down by Nuevo New Mexico when we were going down there to build a church it was hot sweaty and in the back of the bus then we, we had tools we had all kinds of power tools. We had, we had everything back there. But we also took a bunch of clothing. And I'll never forget it. I'm sitting there. And the 
border patrol man comes up and he does a search of the bus. And he goes to the back and he pulls out a little child's clothing and he holds it up in front of the bus. He said, and who does this fit? And I don't remember who it was, but the man jumped up and he said, it fits your kids. It fits your grandkids. It fits your children. We're bringing it in to give to your kids. Go on to the next one. We had to go through several wellness nuts and doing our best but you know what the church is here for to get you connected with Jesus to have an audience with the Lord Randy come and sing it if you would Lord you've been so so good all my life you've been faithful Lord our lives are not over all my life you've been faithful has he been faithful to you just slip a hand towards heaven this morning and just love him. Let him know that you appreciate and love him back. Oh, Lord, as I'm able, I'm going to give you praise. I will sing, sing of the, the goodness of God. Goodness of God. 